having nothing to talk about today. I remember being here years ago and Pastor Bailey coming here on you know, a Sunday morning and saying, I had no idea this morning what I was going to talk about. So <laughs> it, wasn't quite, it wasn't quite that close. But God had to bring me through something this week to give me a sermon topic for this morning. And our theme verse for today is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And today we're going to talk about dealing with disappointment. Dealing with disappointment. Hope deferred. That really is something that you were hoping for. We'll look into it a little more in a bit. But that is, then doesn't happen. And you walk away feeling disappointed. How do you deal with that? How many of you have ever been disappointed before? All right, probably everybody would have their hand up, right? We've all gone through something that felt disappointing. And what I came through was not a big deal. I'll talk about some other things in a bit that are big deals. But if you were here two, three weeks ago, something like that, on a Wednesday evening, I talked about, uh, I gave a testimony about our van and how God had brought us home um, on a trip we were on, even though we had broken down. And God got our van through, through the transmission issues that it was having. Well, we have since then been looking at replacing it because it seemed like the right thing to do. And we found the perfect van. We prepared everything to get ready. It was four hours away in Massachusetts. Uh, Paul Fanning was kind enough to say, I'll go with you on this crazy journey so you can go and get your vehicle very early in the morning one day this week. We were going to go and uh, had everything ready, had, had uh, looked up all the reports on it, everything perfect, talked to the dealership a few times, perfect, price amazing. It had been for sale for six months six months for sale. And uh, if you follow the news at all, it's, it's on the, the mainstream media on the news that used car prices have gone up 10% in the last month. They're doing this really, really quick. And so we're like, wow, this one's an amazing price because it's been around for so long, the price has gone down on this one. So anyways, we had all of our uh, ducks in a row, as you would call it. We were on our way out the door Tuesday evening to go to a, an event, and I got a phone call from a Massachusetts number. I'm like, oh, I better take this one. I know it's the dealership calling. And the, somebody called and said, we just wanted to let you know before you come the next morning, because we were leaving early the next morning, that the van sold late this afternoon. And I'm like, Lord, you held that van for us for six months. And we were going to get it. And hours before we were going to leave, somebody called, or they called, somebody else came and picked it up. And that was, again, that's a, a minor area of disappointment that I walked through this last week. There are many ma more major things that we walk through in life. But to recognize that God held that van for six months for somebody else, not for me. <laughs> that was the issue. And I had to come to the point of realizing that it wasn't mine. God had something else in store. I still don't know what that is, but it, I know it was not that one because it's gone. Some other things that we can walk through, disappointing things maybe you have walked through or are. Parents, when their children are not doing well or are walking away from the Lord. Maybe in a relationship that is failing or has failed. Maybe when you were really expecting a promotion at your job and it didn't happen, or you were expecting a new job 
and the interview and everything went amazingly well and they picked somebody else. Maybe when you own your own business and it's not going how you hoped that it would. Maybe when somebody that you love and have been praying for doesn't get healed or your prayers are not answered. These are all areas that can be major disappointments in our life. And so today we're going to talk about how to deal with that, how to walk through that and come out okay on the other side of a minor or a major disappointment. Before we get into that, let's look just at some, some of the word disappointment. doesn't have a nice sound to it, does it? That's because of the first three letters of the word, dis. It's not a nice sounding word. Dis means to take away or to take apart. Appointment we know what that is. We make them all the time. You call your mechanic, you make an appointment. You call the doctor's office, you make an appointment. You call the bank, you make an appointment. Whatever it is, an appointment means something that is scheduled for a specific time that is supposed to happen. So disappointment means that thing that was scheduled, you know, or technically by definition, something that was decided, resolved, or arranged the time of was then taken away or taken apart. It did not happen. Something you were planning on did not happen. That is what disappointment means. Who in the Bible faced disappointment? I have one name. Starts with the letter E. Everyone. Whether stated or not, everybody went through it. But there are some specific ones that I, that I thought of and Sarah thought of, and there are many more. I mean, we could spend a long, long time on talking about all the disappointments of mankind throughout history. <laughs> there would be a lot. Abraham was promised he would be the father of many nations, and he didn't have a child for a long time. I'm sure there was disappointment there. Joseph was given a dream of ruling, and then he spent years in prison and as a slave. Moses was denied entrance into the promised land after leading a complaining people for 40 years. And God said, you're not going in. Joseph, in the New Testament, the father of Jesus, the earthly father, was ready to get married and found out that his soon-to-be wife was pregnant, not by him. The disciples followed Jesus for about three years and devoted their life to him, and then he was dead. And with each of these examples, we look back and we see the whole story. Well, of course it was okay for Abraham. He had a son eventually. But what was it like for Abraham while well, he was living through it? Of course it was okay for Joseph. He became second in command in Egypt. But we're looking at the whole story of his life. What was it like for Joseph when he was the slave and when he was the prisoner? He didn't see the whole story. He knew God's promise, but he was living in the midst of a very hard time. And all the other ones we mentioned, they didn't see the whole thing. They walked through disappointments as they went. Disappointment is based in hope or expectation that doesn't happen. You have some sort of a hope, you have some sort of an expectation, and it does not happen. I remember earlier in my life... <laughs> More than half of my life ago, I was a young teenager, there was a, there was a certain man in my church, an older brother figure, who would take me out fishing and do stuff with me. I loved to do stuff with him. 
And I would wait for that phone to ring for him to call and say, we're going fishing. And I remember if the phone didn't ring or he didn't call or if something happened and he had to change plans, I was so disappointed. Why? Because I had such a hope that it would happen. I had such an expectation of it happening. So in Proverbs 13, 12, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Let's look at that. As I said, we would. Hope means simply expectation. An expectation deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred means literally to delay or to remove. So an expectation that is either delayed or entirely removed, something changed totally and it's not going to happen. The heart, if you look that up, means feelings. Widely used of somebody's feelings in this, in this verse, in this case, in the original. And sick literally means to be rubbed or worn. To be rubbed or worn. So let's read it this way. An expectation that is delayed or removed makes your feelings rubbed and worn out. That's what it's saying. When you're disappointed, what do you feel like? All right, let's go. No, you feel like, oh, come on. It's not what I was planning on. I didn't expect this to happen, whatever it might be in life. But then it says the desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When good things happen to us that we expect and we're hoping for, it brings us life. That's what I call easy growing. When things are going good for you, it's easy to have a good attitude. It's easy to be joyful. It's like, yeah, everything's going good. I, I'm, everything's happening that I was hoping for. But sometimes the better times to grow are when things are not happening how we expect them to. When we're going through the hard time, those are the chances to get stronger in our walk with the Lord. So how do we deal with disappointment. And I've got four simple things. These really are simple things, but they're vital. The first one is far more than the others, I would say. The first one leads to the others. Remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Expect, or, um, a disappointment is based on a hope or expectation. So really, number one, our hope and expectation needs to be in God. It needs to be in the Lord. No matter what thing is happening in our life, our hope and expectation needs to be in God. Psalms 22, verses 3 through 5, says this. Psalms 22, 3 through 5 in the King James. But thou art holy, O Lord, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered, they trusted in thee and were not confounded. Now, if you look, with the, look up the word confounded, it means disappointed. They were not disappointed. Why were they not disappointed? Because their hope was in God. They were looking to God and they trusted God. And that means they had a confidence in God. And so they were not disappointed. Our hope cannot be even in what we expect God to do. It has to be in God himself. See, God needs to be the most important, the preeminent, we would say, in our life. He has to have that place above everything else, far above everything else. And then, you know, when God is in that place 
Everything else kind of seems to matter a lot less when God is in place number one, not even with a close second. And that recognition, to go back to the van story, made it a lot easier the following day on Wednesday when I was supposed to have gone to get it, made it a lot easier to let it go. Because I quickly came to the place, quickly, within hours, to the place that was like, okay, God, you got this. I don't need to worry about this. You have it taken care of. You have a plan for me. I don't know if that means to keep handicapping along what I have, or you're going to provide something else. I don't know, but I trust you. And you'll work it out. And again, it's just a van. It's just a vehicle. There are hundreds of thousands of them for sale in the United States. So it's not like it's going to be a problem finding something eventually. But sometimes it's a lot harder than that. Sometimes, again, it's the death of a loved one, or it's the sickness of a loved one, or it's the loss of a job, or money not being there to pay bills, or something major. But at those times, the solution is the same. God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. My expectation is in you. And I will do what I can for whatever it is, but I look to you. And this attitude, this is what we call meekness. Meekness is an acceptance, a holy acceptance of whatever circumstances we are going through. That was the definition that Pastor Bailey gave to it. A holy acceptance of our circumstances. And that is saying, Lord, these are out of my control, that what I'm going through is out of my control, but I accept them and I look to you and trust in you. And learning that quality of meekness is going to prepare us for any disappointments that we might face in life. In order to truly put our hope and expectation in God, we have to recognize that God knows best. He knows what is best for you, and he knows what is best for me. This is what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. Famous verse, right? Plans of good and not of evil. And as we serve the Lord, you can know and I can know that God's plans for us are long-term plans of good. They are not plans of evil for our life as we serve him. Romans 8, 28, another famous scripture says, All things work together for good for those who love God and walk in his ways. This is Stephen's paraphrase to this one. All things work together for good for those who love God and walk in his ways. So a question that I ask myself based on that verse is, do I love God? We're here because we love God and because he loves us. Do I walk in his ways? Well, that's a question that we need to ask ourselves. If we do, we love God and walk in his ways we know that all things will work together for good. Now, if something, if we're walking through life and it seems like nothing is working out, and we're constantly disappointed and everything's going wrong, maybe, maybe we're going through a Job situation where God is working in our life. Maybe it's because we've not been walking with God and in his ways, and we know we're doing wrong. I'm reading through my devotions right now, my, my Bible reading, I'm, I'm in the uh, Old Testament for those of the staff here at Zion, if you've been in devotions, you've heard me share some devotions on some of these. But wow, what, some, what, what, uh, what events in, in Israel through the books of the Judges 
and Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. But there's a theme going through all of this portion of the Bible, through books and books of the Bible. The theme is when Israel turned to God, when they did the Romans 8.28, and they walked with God, and they loved God, God, God blessed them. Their life wasn't always easy, but as a nation as a whole, they, he blessed them. But then they would turn from him. They would walk against him. They would go against his ways. And the theme is always the same. God dealt with them. And the Bible tells us this. A father chastens a son whom he loves. And so sometimes disappointing things in life do happen because of choices that we've made. And we have to be willing to recognize that. Just as with Israel, God is a good father. He may be doing something in our life to bring us, to correct us, to transform us in a way that he wants to change us. But we have to understand he is a loving father. But know, back to Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good if we love God and we walk in his ways. He is a good, good father. Something that happens during disappointment, something that should happen is that our character should grow. Our character should grow. I saw a quote, and I have no record of who said it. So I cannot give um, honor where honor is due. But it said, God's priority is not our happiness, but our character development. God's priority is not our happiness, but our character development. He wants us to become like him. Romans 5, 3 through 5, puts it this way. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you recognize that. The verse starts out talking about difficulty. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that these difficult things in our life produce endurance. Endurance produces character. So God's goal in our life's difficulty is to produce endurance and character into our very soul. This was written by the Apostle Paul, who suffered more than any of us, by far, and who probably faced more possibility of disappointment than many of us. And yet he wrote these words. Look, guys, suffering's for our good. Disappointing things are actually for our good. God working in our life. So when we go through, through disappointing times in our life, God intends to use it to build endurance and character into our very soul. But it only works if we keep a right perspective. Because you well know as well as I do that when we come through a difficult time and we're in the midst of it, if we're disappointed, if we don't turn to God in that time, if we don't put our trust and our hope in God and instead develop a bad attitude, we turn away from God, we get angry. It's not for our good. It works wrong responses into our soul. We have to keep a right attitude and a right perspective in the midst of difficulty. So that's number one. Look to God and put our hope and expectation in Him. The second one, again, something else that's 
you know, pretty obvious, I would say, but take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And for this example, I have Hannah, the mother of Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And you know the story, if you've been attending church long enough, or you've read your Bible long enough, you've read this account, or you've heard this account, that Elkanah, who was Hannah's husband, and Samuel's dad, he had two wives. Not recommended, but he did. One was Hannah, and one was Peninnah. Peninnah had children. I don't think it tells us how many, but it sounds like she had a bunch. And Hannah was striking out. She had zero. And it says it's specifically in 1 Samuel 1 because God had shut her womb. This was God's doing in her life. It wasn't a random thing that she couldn't have kids. And as you read through the account, it says Peninnah made life miserable for Hannah. Again, because having two wives is not recommended. But in 1 Samuel, actually, now it's not, it's more than not recommended. But uh, study your Bible on that if you have a question about it. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, this is what it says in verses 6 through 7. And her rival, so her is Hannah, and her rival is Peninnah. So her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went to the house of the Lord. So she's going to meet with God. As often as she went to the house of the Lord, Peninnah used to provoke her. So imagine every time you're coming to meet with God, you've got somebody else in your life who is irritating you beyond reason, horribly, being so unkind because of something that's not even in your control. But what did Hannah do? She took it to the Lord. She was on her way to the house of God, as we said, when she was being provoked. And the account goes on in 1 Samuel 1, verses 9 through 10. And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, now Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. So Hannah took it to the Lord in prayer. She had been disappointed. She'd faced disappointment, and not only disappointment, but rejection and persecution because she couldn't have children. And what did she do? She took it to God. That is where we have to go in life's disappointments. When things aren't going the way that we want them to, or maybe somebody in our life is, is even rubbing that in and making it painful, we have to go to God with it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's the one place that we must go. There are other places we can go to see, seek help and advice if we're going through a difficulty, through a disappointment, but the one place we must go is to God in prayer. We've got to take it to him and pour out our heart before him in the midst of our disappointment. The third thing is to remember God's goodness and give thanks. And, and I was so thankful for the words of the Lord this morning and even the songs that Pastor Jason chose for worship. You know, it is well with my soul. That was the change of perspective that he had. When, when all of these difficulties of life happen, he eventually turned his focus to the realities of God's goodness and even to heaven and what would come into the future. And it made bearing through difficulty so much easier. But, and the words of the Lord were along the same line, the prophecies this morning, to remember that God is good. That is our foundation. We serve a good God. 
no matter what happens in our life. And then we've got to take that and give thanks. How many of you have seen the goodness of God in an area of your life? You've seen him do something for you that you know was God's goodness to you. Amen? Maybe it was something you were really hoping or praying for that God did. Make it a habit of remembering those things. Don't let them go. Remember those times of God's goodness in your life. Why? Because it will help you through times when you can't see it. It will help you through the disappointments. Psalms 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will recount everything you've done in my life that is good. And then we have the opposite of this. In Psalms 106, verses 9 through 13, speaking of the nation of Israel, Psalm 106, 9 through 13, look at all the things that God did for them. He rebuked the Red Sea, it became dry. He led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. What miracles God was doing for Israel. They believed his words. They sang his praise. They were rejoicing. The next verse, verse 13, but they soon forgot his works. All that God had done for them, and they failed to recount it, because that is human nature. They failed to recount it, and they soon forgot. And their forgetting led them to complaining and complaining, being disappointed and complaining, and that didn't help them to grow. That led to their ultimate destruction in the wilderness where they all died. We must remember, we must make a monument out of the good things that God has done in our life. So in your times of disappointment, remember God's goodness and make that a habit now before you come into a time of disappointment. Or if you're in a time of disappointment now, make it a habit now. Stop and say and think of the things where God has done good in your life and remember those and give him thanks. The final one this morning as we come to a conclusion here shortly is to choose to rejoice. It's a choice because it's not what we're going to feel like. In the middle of it, we will not feel like rejoicing, but we have to choose to. And the obvious example that came to mind was Paul in prison. Again, Paul, who went through more than any of us in the area of suffering and disappointment, and he was thrown into prison, and yet he's singing praises to the Lord. He could have been saying, woe is me. Why am I here? Lord, I've been serving you faithfully for so long, and why am I in prison now? But he rejoiced. He kept a right attitude before the Lord. If your disappointment has stabbed your emotions, rejoicing will heal the wounds of your soul. If your disappointment has stabbed your emotions, rejoicing will heal the wounds of your soul. King David is another great example in Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 3, he said, My tears have been my food day and night. While they, the people around me, continually say, where is your God? David was going through a time of great disappointment with lots of crying. He had no desire to eat, it sounds like from here. He's saying, my tears are my very food. 
I'm, I don't feel like eating. I'm crying so much. Verse 5 then, in Psalm 42, 5, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. I shall rejoice before God, who is the help of my countenance. So David's response in the midst of so much crying and disappointment, whatever was going on in his life, was to praise God. It was to completely turn his focus away from his disappointment and say, Lord, I praise you. You are a good God. <clears throat> you are a good father. I trust in you. I look to you. It is not possible to do this for very long without the first point, to put your hope in God, to put your expectation in God. So in the midst of disappointment, rejoicing will turn your emotions upside, right side up. We have to choose to rejoice. So in conclusion, <clears throat> disappointment will come. That's a guarantee in life. Disappointment will happen. They may be minor things, like a van you were hoping for, a deal falling through. And then you can quickly say, so what? It didn't matter. But they may be major things. <clears throat> they may be something major, again, like death or a permanent injury or a job loss or something else very major. No matter the level of disappointment, the way to deal with it is what we talked about this morning. First, we've got to put our expectation in God, not in the things of life. It has to be in God. Second, we have to take it to him. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Third, we've got to remember God's goodness and give thanks. We have to look back at our life and say, Lord, you are good. I have experienced your goodness and I don't understand what I'm going through right now, but I know you are good. And fourth, we have to choose to rejoice, to bring our emotions right side up, even when we don't feel like it. So why don't we take it to the Lord in prayer now as we close? Lord, we know that you are a good God. You are a good Father. And you love us and you care about us and you understand what happens in our life. Would you help us to turn our hope and our expectation to you in the midst of our disappointments? Help us to come to you first, Lord, in prayer to reach out to you. Help us to give you thanks, to understand your goodness in our life, to understand that you have perfect plans for us. And help us to choose to rejoice, even when we don't feel like it. Thank you for the difficulties and the disappointments that you bring us through to work things out in our very soul. Thank you that you want to transform us to be like you and help us to never become hardened, to never walk away from you, or to be upset by the things that you're doing in our life. We look to you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.